I was a single mom at 20 with a little baby girl, and I remember the first time that my phone rang when I answered it was Matt, and he was calling to ask me out on a date. And four months later, we were getting married. Matt adopted Hannah, and the next years of our lives were um, full of having kids, and I remember having this thought, having this thought about him when he got up that night to go to Josiah's cry, that he's a better dad, better parent than I am. And he brought him to me and put him in the bed between us. And he just said to me, he just needed his mama. And we went to sleep. I remember just hearing a sound and I just turned my head towards our door and saw the shadow of a man just standing in our doorway. I immediately knew that this was real, like this was not a dream. And he opened fire on us. And Matt got up to fight with the man. And I knew that I had been hit. And I just grabbed Josiah out of the bed and we ran out of the house. And I remember um, being on the phone with 911 knowing that I was bleeding. A SWAT team got there within minutes and were taking me to the hospital. And um, being stitched up and having a doctor come into my room to tell me that Matt did not survive. You know, what came out of me was a sound that I had never heard, but it was a nightmare. And I knew that I was living this nightmare. I was really living out um, trauma. Every, um, every night it would set in. As the sun would begin to go down, I would start having physical anxiety and just feeling so afraid. And being a believer, praying every prayer, I did all that stuff and the fear would not relent. And I started realizing that I didn't trust any anyone. I didn't actually trust the Lord. And the root of five years of uh, being afraid at night came down to that one thing that I really didn't trust Him to protect me and to really take care of us. And, and I remember just having that thought about the Lord, like, I don't know why you let this happen, but I know that I am your daughter and you're with me. That our story was not gonna end with ashes. And for me in that moment, it was like the darkness lifted and I saw a light that there was gonna be a way to get through it would be to cherish hope and to cherish who he is and to believe in his promises. And um, I got a phone call from a dear friend who said, you know, there's somebody that has a similar story and has lost his wife, and he's a father, and he loves the Lord, and would you be interested in getting to know him?
our response to the Lord when, when those bad things happen is everything. It's really being able to choose to see His goodness, to really believe His purpose in that is to bring about something good. So we, we, we filmed for three and a half hours, and that's all I got. You, you, can, you can tell why, though, right? I mean, when, when she is that, and he is who he is. So my dad um, told me once, some of the best advice he ever gave me, if you start with a joke and get people to laugh, then you've got them. So that was my joke <laughs> for y'all. He's much funnier than I am. His shoulders shake more when he laughs, but other than that... I'm really, that's what I'm always trying to do, y'all, is just be who my father is. You know, my, my brother filmed those. That's his inheritance. He, that's his gift. You know, my inheritance really is that when I was growing up, starting when I was probably five or six or maybe eight, my dad, we were in Methodist church, and every summer they had this thing called the lay pastor. And what uh, that person does is when the regular pastor in those little southern churches is traveling for his week to Myrtle Beach or wherever, they send somebody to come and speak. And so my dad was that person for a season, and he would take me with him. And we would stop at a little podunk gas station somewhere in the middle of Georgia, and I'd get a chocolate milk and a honey bun that had been there probably for longer than I'd been alive. <laughs> and he would walk into these sanctuaries, and y'all, there might be five people, there might be 30. Every church had a, a cushion, pew cushion fund razor going. They were trying to, you know, get off those hard wooden seats. Sometimes, you know, they had actually hit the goal, but that was just one church out of a hundred probably. But I listened to my dad, and he spoke the same way he'll speak today to hundreds with just empathy and heart and passion. That's who I wanted to be. It was my dad. So we had a relationship. You know, I knew him. I walked with him, but I knew about the Lord. I listened to my dad talk about the Lord, and I could speak about that intellectually, but I didn't have a relationship. And I went all over the world and traveled, and uh, things happened. I, I fell away from the Lord. I really got into a place where I was just not in, uh, in that relationship. And one day I got a, an email from a girl that I had a crush on in Georgia when we lived there. We'd moved to Charlotte at that time, and she said, how are you? She uh, made up a story about how she found me. She said that she had been looking for somebody else, but really the Lord just had put me on her heart and we started writing letters and we wrote for a year and we decided to get married. I moved back to Georgia and we built a little house on a hill. It was a little greenhouse. Her dad uh, and brother had a pasture and they didn't want the, to give up any more of their pasture so they basically built the house on top of their own home so you can almost walk you know, and stretch your arm out. But we built it and I painted it and her dad did all the rest, her father, every piece he built with his own hands. And our first night in that house, our little girl, Mayweather, arrived. <laughs> Katie had waited until the very last minute. She refused to have Mayweather in our little rental house that we've been in. And she wanted to have her and bring her home to our home, to where we lived. So we had a sweet first few months with Mayweather. She grew and grew, and Katie was an amazing mom. And we were walking into our first Christmas together, and I was at work one day and uh, had a bunch of phone calls, a bunch of voicemails on my phone when I got out of work, and Katie had been to the doctor that morning. Her uh, grandfather was a family physician, 
she hadn't been feeling well for a couple of days. And the last voicemail on my phone from Kay's mom said white blood count, and I knew. I didn't have to hear anything else. Went to the hospital, arrived, and a couple hours later we were at Emory, and Katie had a diagnosis of leukemia. So we spent that first Christmas away from Meriwether. We missed that, that time with her. We were there for about a month and a half. Katie missed our first New Year's with Meriwether, missed the birth of her first niece. And while we were there, the doctors came to her and said, you can have a blood transfusion, but it'll mean that you never get to have any more children. And Katie had this dream, this vision of having so many babies, all the babies. And so she said, no. She said, I believe she put her faith in him, not in an outcome, but she put her faith in him, that he was going to heal her, that he was going to show up in a powerful way. So we walked back home. We resumed our lives. We almost immediately uh, did get pregnant again and started walking that out in faith. And in the middle of uh, beginning of November, every month Katie would go for a checkup at Emory where we had been for that first part. And we showed up one day and they said the cancer had come back. And she didn't quit believing. Y'all, she never stopped. And the whole time that my faith was in her and not in him, and I wanted to believe, I wanted to believe with her, for her, but I just couldn't do it. I couldn't let go, I couldn't trust, I couldn't believe. And so, a week before she died, she wrote a letter, and I want to read a little part of it to y'all. We just had found out it was the little boy that we were going to have a son. And I remember her in that doctor's room crying. There were tears of joy, though. In fact, we've been given this gift of a son. She said, this baby isn't more special than any other. This is the kind of protection God offers to all little babies given over him. That is why I get up in the morning and pray for healing, because there are so many living without Christ, so many, and it makes me shiver. And it makes me hungry to share the ways in which he has blessed me over my 26 years. And the peace I have, even after the world has afflicted me in the worst way, is just a testament to the power and omnipotence of the God I serve. My favorite verses in the Bible have always perplexed me because I knew that I could never obtain such surrender on my own. I have lived under such a great canopy of love and acceptance all my life. With this disease, God has offered me a chance to move, if only for a moment out of the shadows of this rich world and into his arms. And a week later, she was lying in her room dying, and I knew it, and I went out to that pasture next to our house, and I spent three hours out there just pouring my heart out, just screaming, y'all, just crying and begging God. You know, I was holding out my hand like this, saying I cannot let her go. I said, I'll do anything, but you've got to let her live. I said, if you don't, then that's it. And I walked back in, and she died, and I walked away from him. I stayed in that valley, that death place, and I couldn't get out. I did stay in Dalton for a couple more years, and then finally moved to Atlanta. And when I moved to Atlanta, I had been going to a church in Dalton, reading the Bible, but it wasn't real. I was so angry. I would hear preachers invite me to come forward 
and I would sit in my seat just angry at God. I couldn't step. I couldn't move. And what I started doing is I joined a big mega church in Atlanta because I could hide. Nobody knew I was there. But then I got kind of pulled into a little men's group. And then I got pulled into volunteering with children. And I started actually looking at little boys and not crying for the first time because I could see that he loves those little kids. Even though my son wasn't there, that there was a place for me to love other children. And in the middle of that space, I got a message from a dear friend who said, there's somebody, there's somebody I want you to meet. She's going to come share a little bit now. Well, we're not going to keep you in tears this whole time, I hope, but gosh, this is hard. It's, um, he, he wanted to leave it there for a minute and let y'all hang on where where that is um but this is such an honor to be standing here um in this place and you know first I just want to pray just because I need his help so Lord I just I welcome you Lord we know that you want to do something today in our hearts Lord I thank you for this body I thank you for river life and I thank you for every person that's in this house today and every person that's watching, Lord, that you would, you would reach in to their hearts today, Lord, that they'd see your hand extended. In Jesus' name, mm. thank you, Lord. We did write letters um, for some months um, after, um, you know, getting introduced. We were just telling our stories and it's hard to pick up right here because you just saw the video and that kind of saved me from having to tell the hardest part of my story. But it's important and I feel like I need to tell part of that story. And for me, standing up here is going to start with Job and kind of end with Job. Um, because he was really the only person I knew of and had ever heard about that had suffered. And so I just uh, remember in this moment that there was a time at the end of Job's life where, or at the end of the story where he's gathered with all his family and his friends and he's getting to celebrate and tell them about what the Lord has done. And that's really a little bit how this moment feels for me. I'm getting to look out on some faces who've really walked with us. And so in, in a way, this is a real celebration for our hearts, you know, like a reunion. So, um Okay. Hmm. In Job, um, there was one question that he said in the beginning. It's Ephesians, or Job 2, verse 10, and it says, Shall we accept good and not evil? And I just remember when I read that for the first time, I was in the, the ashes of the first days of my house being broken into and waking up and having a man stand at the foot of my bed and open fire on us, that, that tape was just playing over and over. And so the fear that was inside of me was unbelievable. I was physically in so much anguish and shaken in my heart, I couldn't really function. It was days where I, I couldn't drink or eat. 
you know, I had to have my family and my friends just surround me and take care of me in those days and put water in my mouth because I was just so crushed, you know, and I had really just not understood how something like this could happen as a believer. And I wasn't trying to figure anything out in those first days because what I really knew is that all of a sudden I didn't have a religion. I had a father. And I didn't have a church. I had a family. And what I knew is that my father was coming near to me, you know, and he was letting the body of Christ just come and put their hands on me. And I needed that. And I just wanted to take this moment to really honor this body and honor Byron and Becky for the way they have led us through our trials and lots of tragedies, but just especially the way this body became the hands and feet of Christ. And, you know, every time when we walk into this place, you know, for me now, it's 20 years of walking into this house. It's a family. And so, you know, I just, I hope that you will get to know the people around you because this is a family and God really puts people around us for a purpose. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, I wanted to read Lamentations 3, 19 through 21. Um, okay, and it says, I will never forget the taste of ashes, the utter lostness. Oh, I remember it all, the feeling of hitting the bottom. And in remembering that, you know, the next verse of that um, the next verse really says it's because of the Lord's loving kindness that we are not consumed because his mercies are new every morning, that that is why we don't lose hope. You know, I remember just that the nights just felt like they were never going to end. It was every night, you know, the same situation would happen. The sun would start to set and that, that panic would just overwhelm me and I would just watch for daylight to come and you know, um, I just remember that, you know, I had to feel like every morning when the sun would come up, I would just be thankful that I was alive. I would feel like I made it through a night. That was the kind of battle that I was in. You know, one of the things that Jacob and I have talked about is that in Job's, that story, it's 42 chapters 42 chapters, and the first, you know, chapter is when his, in, when the event happens, and then we don't hear about the restoration until the very end, the very last chapter. And one thing that we have talked about is just that, you know, when we are able to enter into the suffering of people that love the Lord, and we're able to see who God is in those times, that that is really where the beauty is happening. And, you know, at the end of Job's life, that's, you know, we see that God comes and starts restoring and turning the loss, but he doesn't want us to forget those 42 chapters. And, you know, we've, for, you know, for us, for me, it was five years uh, before I met him, and for him it had been about eight years, you know, just walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And, you know, what, what we get to experience on a day-to-day -day basis is that, you know, we, we're living out, you know, this other side of, of our hearts being restored. And we're so thankful. And I think that we realized when we were 
making that, uh, when we were videotaping for the song, you know, we sat across from each other and told each other our stories. Like, I just looked at him and told him my story, and then he looked at me and told me his story, and it was like hearing it for the first time, and we were, we just wept. I mean, we were, it was, it was, um, you know, for a moment, we forget that we are just living our lives now, that what we've been through, and that's the beauty of who God is, is that he's, he is in the business of restoring our hearts. So, you know, I just felt like he doesn't want us to forget the ashes, because when we remember them, we'll really see the beauty, and he's not, you know, asking us to flip these pages, um, you know, in some quick movement, he wants to move with us through our ashes. He wants to enter into our pain. You know, he, he, he's there with us. Um, recently, um, in a time when, you know, during worship, um, I was having this encounter with the Lord. This has just been like a couple of weeks. And um, afterwards, Jacob was asking me, like, what was going on, you know? And I just was kind of like, I don't know. I just, I just felt like it was a battle, that I was in a battle. And when I sat down in my seat, I felt like I could hear the Lord just say, keep fighting the good fight. And that is the word I just felt like to bring to you today is that this, this is his heart for us, is that we never stop, that we never stop fighting. And that doesn't mean that we have any strength in ourselves because most of you know what I have learned to do is is trust the Lord, which has been a battle. And so for me, you know, I was in my own strength trying to figure out you know ways to get through the night. You know, that was my my family. You know, needing to have all these people around me. You know, I had a security system. I was reading. You know, every verse I knew to read. I was doing all those things, but that fear that would grip my heart in the night, it just wouldn't go away. And um, there was a time when I got to go to Tanzania um, for a month as part of um, some training that I was doing. And, you know, I really look at that trip as, as the time when trust was reborn inside of me because I had to get over there away from everybody that I know, away from being able to call a friend when I needed help. I had to get into a place where no one spoke my language. Um, And I was walking past men carrying machetes on a dirt road to get to the clinic. And I would just be paralyzed. Like, I, I would just think, like, I need to go back. I need to go back into wherever it's safe. And there was no going back, you know. And what started happening is the Lord was telling me, like, you need to speak to these people. You need to say good morning. Like, they're just going to work in their gardens. They don't want to hurt you. But fear had just gotten into every place inside of me, and I didn't realize that till I got so far away. And so through this month-long time with the Lord, what, what was happening is he was teaching me to trust him again. And he... There was a lady that um, the school knew that I was, like, struggling to get to my clinic because of my fear. So they said, we've got this lady, and her name is Mama Grace. And she's going to come and just walk with you to your clinic, you know, make sure that you get there. Because it could sometimes take an hour and a half or two hours with the buses and everything to get to the clinic. So I was like, that's that's great. That'll help, you know. And so 
this lady comes and she, you know, became my good friend and she would hold my hand and she would just say, come on, Angela. You know, that's what was my name, my full name. And she would hold my hand, you know, and walk with me to my clinic and she wouldn't let me go because she knew like I was shaken. And there were times where I would say to her, please take me back. Like I need to go back because I would get in the, the city where it was chaotic and just people yelling and I was just afraid. Um, but she kept walking me through. And so I knew, um, you know, by the end of it that he was trying to teach me something. And on the dirt road one day, you know, I realized the root was that I didn't really trust the Lord to take care of me. That that was like at the bottom of all of my fears is that I needed to give him something back because, you know, maybe I was disappointed that, he didn't protect all of us, or, you know, I, I couldn't ever really figure any of that out, but when I had that kind of reckoning in my heart with the Lord, like, I'm willing to take your hand, and I'm afraid, but I know that you are going to be with me in all of this, and for me, that's what it was, is just putting my hand in that hand of grace, and just saying, like, we're going on, and I came home from that trip, and I knew the first night that I was back because my house was full of all my family because that's how we did it. We just would like pile up, you know, I'd be in the bed between Mike and Bonnie, Matt's parents, you know, we just, all the kids, we, I just needed everybody. My mom, you know, would just, I would have to just pick up the phone and call for my family to be there. And they were with me for five years every single night. So I just honor them for their faithfulness, you know. They were just, they were there. They were answering the call. Five years, I had my mom, my dad, my in-laws. You know, they were taking turns with us, and it was just no big deal. And when I was pushing chairs up against the doors, they just were like, she's just kind of doing her thing. Just nobody was saying anything to me about it. It was, we were just getting through, you know, and that's how it felt. And even living with Chuck and Janet Moore in the top of their farmhouse, we would pile into one room and I would be pushing chairs up against the door at night, you know, in one bedroom with, you know, the, the, me and my three kids, you know, my parents, my in-laws, we would all just be in there. We were watching Noggin. This was this channel that Janet used to laugh at me. She's like, it was the only thing that I could watch and not be scared of was like this little kid's PBS kind of channel. It was like baby town, but I was like, I like it. It's good. You know, so... You know, we were just getting through and just, so whatever that looks like, you know, the Lord was just helping us. I don't know. But I really, you know, it was a miracle. But that night when I got back from Tanzania, everyone was asleep. And I woke up in the night and I went and turned off my alarm. And I hadn't been able to really be outside without just being terrified. And I will never forget that I walked outside my house and I just looked up at the sky and I just lifted my hands and I just said to the Lord, like, I am home. And that's what I knew is that he took me over there and then he brought me home. And when the sun came up that next morning, I told all my family, y'all can go home. And they were just kind of looking at me like, what do you mean? You know, and I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm ready to do this. And it was a turn. It was a turning for us of me learning to trust the Lord, and it came down to at night, I mean, honestly, my prayer ended up kind of being like, 
if I die tonight, I'm with you. If anything happens tonight, you're with us. I mean, it came down to the bones. I mean, it was, it was this raw prayer because I needed to, to get to that place with the Lord. Like, this, this is where I am is that I just need to know that you're with us. And if I know you're with us, then whatever happens, it's going to be okay. And so that was, you know, just um, the, the chapter, you know, really turned. And um, I heard Heidi Baker say this thing back at the beginning of the year. She said, you know, if, if we don't give up, we win. You know, if we don't quit, we win. And I just felt like I was fighting a battle, and it didn't mean I had any strength. I was walking scared, you know. I was, you know, just moving through life trying to just rebuild our lives. But I told my kids in the beginning, I sat them down, I said, we will not be defined by this. This is not the defining thing of our lives. Like, God has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. And no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. And I just remember that we were taking on this identity of being and belonging to the Lord. Like we were not victims, you know. And, and so I have always loved that our stories are going to end in triumph. That they're going to be just a testimony of triumph. You know, it doesn't always feel like that. But if we don't give up, we win, you know. Isn't that good? And so the, I want to read this scripture. This is Hebrews 10:35. Three thirty-six. If we got it. Yep, there it is. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. You know, in this powerful, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to throw away our confidence because in the middle of our, our test and our battle, it's easy to just feel like you're going to give up. And you know what you give up? You're giving up hope. And hope is trust. In almost every translation, that word is trust. You're giving up your trust, and the Lord doesn't want us to give up our trust in who he is. You know, he, he wants to teach us how to bear up under the hard things that we have to walk through. And I had a, during a run recently, I was in the woods, and all this, like this part was just, I mean, weeks ago, you know, in a battle, in a battle. I was hearing the Lord while I was running saying, the greatest weapon that you have is when you put your trust in me. Isn't that powerful? That sounds like, how could that be the greatest thing? But is us giving up some way to solve it, figure it out, explain it? We're just, we're just like, this is our weapon that we lift our hands. We put our hands in his hand and we just give him our trust. This is hard especially if your trust has been wounded, especially if your heart has been afflicted and you feel like he's the one that afflicted you or he let it happen, you know? That's, that's part of the, the comforting thing of who the Lord is, is that he gives permission for even evil things to come into our lives, but he gives us his promise to be with us, to walk with us through any valley, and we're going to have valleys, and it's going to hurt. 
And one thing Jacob and I did is when we were deciding to share our stories back and forth in letters, we didn't talk. We never heard our, each other's voices. For four months, we were just sharing our stories. You know, and part of what we were realizing is that when we met, finally met, we knew that, like, we wanted to do this again. Even though it could hurt, and it does hurt, it's, we're alive. You know, we get to, we get to do this. And um, so, you know, that's, that's the beauty of, you know, when the Lord wants to take our hand. And I felt like um, on that first date with Jacob, there was time we were sitting on our front porch, and he reached down to hold my hand. And everything he was saying I tried just... to kiss her first, and then she... Said no. Push that away. So this was like the second. Yeah. Next best That's thing. true. And, um, um, but he, he went to hold my hand and I just like every, it was like everything went silent. He was still talking. But just to have that a nearness of a, a hand to hold, I just felt like it was the Lord, like that he had given me something to hold on to. And, you know, and we decided that we were going to say yes to entering back into the thing that really, you know, broke our hearts. You know, we were young. You know, we were, he was in his 20s. I was just, you know, 30 when I lost Matt and having to be widowed and young and having kids. But we were just deciding that we wanted to say yes to what the Lord had. And, you know, one of the things is that I really felt today is that he's really leading us as a body to put our trust in him, to put our hands back in his hand, to enter back into covenant, to enter into deeper relationship, even if it hurts and we know it will, that we can trust him with our lives and we will trust him with our lives. Mm. You know, my, one of my things I love most about that video is Mike says that his favorite part is when Angel gets the good news. And y'all, here's the behind the scenes, behind the scenes, is that was one of the first times I'd ever been back in a hospital. Hmm. You know, we, one of the last times was when Katie got that word. And so when we were sitting there filming, David was trying and trying to get that right reaction from Angel, the response of hearing the good news. And finally, I just sat across from her. And I said, Katie didn't get this news. Mm. She didn't quit. And Matt didn't win that fight, but he didn't quit. Mm -hmm. And their stories are not going to stop because they didn't quit. Mm -hmm. That's all Hebrews, that famous chapter, is a bunch of people that didn't see the actual result on the ground, but they saw it up there, and they kept going, and we will never stop telling their stories. Yes. So Katie and Matt are going to live the rest of time all the way through, not just because they're amazing children and because of us, because now y'all know them too. Mm-hmm. Now you know Katie. Now you know Matt. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing, you know. I've been leaning into this, uh, the story of Moses. You know, Moses did a lot of stupid stuff and some really amazing things. And at the very end, because he'd hit a rock, instead of speaking to it, he got kept out of this place that for 80 years he'd been trying to get to. Mm-hmm. And almost in like if, when I originally read the story, it felt like a cruelty that the Lord takes him up on this mountain and shows him, and he sees it. But seeing it's not walking in it. And I just could not understand why did he show it to him and not let him actually walk in it. 
And so y'all, last year we went back to that home. I got to walk with her into that house, past the pasture. And we spent the night in the home that Katie and I had built with our kids and Katie's nieces and I don't know who else was there. <laughs> and he told me that he had seen that 10 years ago, he had watched us walking in together. That he had been speaking the entire time and I didn't get the response that I thought I wanted, but I got this. And there's nothing greater than this. Mm. <laughs> you know, the last time we see Moses is it's Jesus and Elijah and Moses. Do y'all know where they are? They are in the promised land. Yeah. Moses got there. He didn't get there when he thought he was going to get there, but he got there mm -hmm. in a way that nobody else got to experience. He was transfigured and then met the transfiguration himself. So that's what I'm going after, and that's what we want to call you into. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you've gone through or where you've been. You're here now, and what are you going to do next? Mm -hmm. So that's our call to you. When Dad married us, we stood in their backyard, mm -hmm. and he said, I want you all to take a step forward. We already had walked. Angel had walked down the aisle. She even carried you, saw the pictures. I had walked in, but he said, I want you to take one more step it's always about taking that next step. Mm -hmm. We've been running together and we've been talking that we're not running from anything now, we're running towards something. So our past is always going to be there. Those addictions are always going to be there. When Angel and I got married, I had stuff that I still was carrying. And it's only been the last year and a half that I've been totally set free. It's the only reason I'm still here. My testimony <laughs> has not stopped. If I was only talking about something that happened 10 years ago, then I wouldn't really be living. Mm. And so all the good things that have happened in this building, all the good things that have happened here are wonderful, but I want to see what's next. I want to see what he's about to do in the next 10 minutes, the next 10 days, the next 10 years, and I want to do it with y'all. We want to do it with y'all. That's why we're here, is to get to participate with you, the people that we love, our family, our friends. And so what we want to do is we want to end with a communal reading of the 23rd Psalm. And that was who... Katie's thing that she would end. I want to read this to y'all. You know, she spoke to that. I read it earlier about the shadow of this rich world, and it's such a change, y'all. We always think that it's the valley of the shadow and it's the green grass, and Katie flipped it. Did y'all catch that? She said that she was walking out of the green grass into the shadow of death, and that that's where he was, that that's where he met her. You know, that's, that's seeing things from a eternal perspective and not from the natural. So good. And then what we realize is we just have read through Psalm 22, and everybody knows Psalm 23. Everybody knows that. But the, the passage before is where Jesus is being spoken to before. David's saying his body is broken and pierced, every bone out of joint. Mm -hmm. And it's out of that place that he comes into this. Katie said, I'm in chains for Christ. I'm powerless and weak and have no provisions to offer my husband, children, and myself apart from the relationship I have with the great creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, the lover of my soul. From where I sit, that's not just too sad. My cup runneth over. Mm. Wow. That's it. What's your, where is your cup? What's in your cup? If you're not filled up, you can't share anything. She is filled up. I am filled up, and it's not because of each other, it's because of him.
And that's what our body is. It is a place that is overflowing. <laughs> it's ridiculous that we even get a chance to speak here today because there's so many people here caring so much. We are so grateful for this chance to speak with you, to talk with you. You yeah, so um, yeah, we can put up the Psalm 23. We were going to invite you guys to stand. Yeah. One of the things that um, I was praying for River Life back in the summer, and I felt like the Lord said, remind her who she is. You know, remind her who she is, that she is going to be a body that trusts in the Lord. And, you know, they call Psalm 23 a Psalm of David. And I believe that this is a psalm of river life, that we would be a people who are walking hand in hand with our great shepherd. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're just going to read this together, and then we want to pray for y'all. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So y'all read it with us. The Lord is my, is my shepherd. shepherd. I, I shall not want. want. He, he makes, makes me to lie down in green pastures. pastures. He, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm, thank you, Lord. We just want to invite the ministry team to come up. We really want to pray for people, too. We want to, um, let's, we'll just pray. Yeah, so Lord, we just thank you for this, this morning, God, for all that you are doing in our midst. Lord, we just say to you that we will keep fighting the good fight. Lord, with everything within us, Lord, even if that means we have no strength inside of ourselves, that's okay. Mm -hmm. We can receive who you are. And so I just pray you release grace on this body for them to walk through whatever they're walking through. Lord, I pray that you go into deep places, Lord, that you'll just release your healing and restoration Mm, that no person would feel that they are walking alone. Lord, that's one of the greatest things you say to, to us is that in this world we're going to have trouble, but we don't have to fear because you've overcome. And you will not leave us as orphans, and you haven't left us as orphans. And I just thank you for that, that you are our Father. Mm, thank you, Lord. Mm. And, and the last piece, y'all, really is, and this is, there's, you know, this is just for you if you're in this moment and you've heard this word, but we want to invite you to step forward, to take a physical step. You know, it doesn't have to be all the way to the front to the worship team, I mean, to the ministry team, but there is something that even if you're not ready, mentally, if your heart is crying out and saying, I want this, I don't know what it means, but I want to move towards the Father, you know, we're doing this every day, all day, and we want to invite you to do that just like my father did that day. He called us forward, and our Father is always calling us forward. Byron's been speaking that his door is always open. Mm -hmm. So my encouragement, our encouragement is open your hearts. Step forward. You can do a little baby step. You can come running forward. It doesn't matter. You can do it in your mind. But the important thing is he is calling you. He loves you so much. 
Amen. Thank you all so much for sharing. It was amazing. What an honor it has been to walk with you. And it's a journey. You know, I look around and see other people who have been through some really hard things, and your story's different. Your story's different. And you might not be ready to take the full leap. You might not be fully on the other side, but I really encourage you, take a step, take that next step, whatever that is, whatever you feel like in your heart that is today, take it. So we'd like to invite you to come forward, get prayer if you'd like to. Um, We'd also like to invite you forward if you want prayer for uh, anything else that you need to take a step toward. Take some step toward some healing. Take some step through for other breakthrough in your life. Hey, can we thank the Lord real quick? Thank you, Lord. Let's grab on to hope. Let's grab on to heaven. Let's grab on to the things that God has for us down the road. It's good. It is good. He's working it all together for us, for our good. Now or in the future or in eternity. It's coming through. He's coming through. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week. If you want to be dismissed, you can go now. That's cool. Stay around for a little while longer. Come get prayer. I think Jacob and Angel are going to be up here for a little bit to pray too. So, amen. Solid gold.